welcome to the Business Success Club. I want to say welcome, and you are in for a treat in this group. Hey, thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. And on this podcast, what we really want to establish is this. How do hardworking entrepreneurs build profitable and scalable businesses whilst having the freedom and balance to do the other things they love? like family, vacations, sports, fun, adventures, and charity. So let's tune into today's podcast. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Business Success Show. Now, you want to stay tuned in right now. Why do I say that? Look, if you want to be better at sales, you need to stay tuned in. If you've ever experienced sales being salesy and you just don't like that, and you wonder why people do that, you are in for a treat right now. Because if you wanna grow your business, you know sales equals income. Sales equals revenue. And today we are talking all things about growing your sales, doing it effortlessly, as well as ethically, as well as morally the right way without being manipulative, then you want to say tuned. This gentleman I'm about to introduce right now teaches people how to sell high ticket services and items and products without being salesy. So tune in. So I've got Chandler Walker here all the way from Reno uh, in Nevada. And so uh, uh, Chandler, how are you doing? Welcome to the Business Success Show. Yeah, doing well. Excited to jump on and chat about this psychotherapeutic model of sales and how it doesn't have to feel slimy and gross and give everyone some value. Fantastic. Now, if you love sales, stay tuned in. If you don't love sales, stay tuned in, listen to everything because this is this is awesome. So uh, let me tell you a little bit about Chandler before um, we get going here. And he started teaching, uh, he scaled his business to the seven figure level um, and doing 3000 to 4000 sales consultations. What he noticed that people, you know, what frustrated him is he saw people doing sales the wrong way. The way sales was being taught wasn't really to his liking. So he tried his way of doing it, and which was what he coined compassionate conversations, compassion conversations. And he has a whole model around this, a therapeutic driven psychological based sales system centered around compassion and care. In other words, You are speaking to your ideal client. You are speaking to your prospect, but from a place of care and compassion, not manipulating or pushing them to buy something they don't want to, and they regret it later on. So again, so Chandra, tell us a little bit about your entrepreneurial background. How did you get into uh, entrepreneurialism? What happened? What was the incidence? Yeah, good question. So basically, I grew up with a mother who suffered from bipolar disorder. And so it taught me from a young age, not only how to communicate in a neutral way, because with bipolar, people are up and they're down, there's really no in between. So it taught me how to communicate and remove my ego from the equation and kind of communicate with someone and meet them where they're at and love them for who they are, Mm. which ultimately led me on to a, a med school track. And the problem that I kind of ran into in med school, because I had graduated with a degree in biochemistry was I felt like what I was doing was giving pills for a living. You walk in, you give a pill, you leave, you look at the book, you find the pill to give you. And it's not a shot at doctors. It's the system. You have to give people pills. If I tell you to eat an apple, 
I'm going to get sued because that's malpractice because the Apple didn't magically save you. So there's no way to actually like help people long-term. So I broke off from that and I had a father who was an entrepreneur. So he would always take me to, he, he had a siding and window business. So he would take me to customers' houses. I would watch him work deals and stuff like that. He kind of beat the idea of wanting to work with my hands out of me. He had me work with him every summer, like roofing and stuff. And I realized real young that that was not the career that I wanted to be in. And so that kind of gave me the strength though, to say, Hey, you know what? I could do this. I could open my own business. I could launch this wellness practice. And we did, we launched a brick and mortar originally that was based on six pillars of wellness. So mental health, social health, sleep, nutrition, fitness, and habits. Oh, wow. Cool. And that was your first um, venture into um, your own business. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. And I was, I think I was 26 at the time. 26. And you, and you said it was inspired by your mother being uh, bipolar. You really wanted to help other people. Is that right? Yeah. I always found that I'm a, I'm a people pleaser myself and I've yeah. always been excited about the realm of medicine, excited about the idea of helping people. I got into fitness early and, uh, before I even graduated college, I was helping friends build and grow their own gyms. I think I'd already built and grown two. So wow. when I graduated college, I didn't even show up to walk. I was already opening my other business and then the motor had already been running. Right. Well, how cool is that? How cool is that? And um, the tell us about this conversation, compassion conversations, and this therapeutic way of selling. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, good question. So this kind of originated in my own health business. Uh, so what happened was I was frustrated with the way, way sales was taught. Our product selling to consumers, this wasn't a, a product where people made money off of it. This was a health product. So people see that as an expense. And so I had to learn how to sell something that was quite expensive for the average consumer. In the beginning, it was like $1,500 for three months. It ended up being around $3,200 plus. And so to be able to sell that, I started hiring sales coaches. And they, they, the problem I found was, though, they were telling me to, you have to stick them with the knife and twist it. If they cry, they buy. The call doesn't start till objections. And I just felt like the idea that I needed to be aggressive to tell people to get help or to help people was kind of living a lie. I was not in integrity. I was manipulating people to make a decision to be better. So that's when I, I looked at what we were doing in our own business in terms of the mental health side of things and the social health side of things. And I said, okay, I can take this model, this model where I use cognitive behavior therapy, motivational interviewing, acceptance, commitment therapy, and a little bit of trauma and recovery ideas and move them into a sales system to create a psychotherapeutic conversation. And that conversation ultimately turned into compassion conversations, but it didn't magically turn into it overnight. I did 4,000, three or 4,000 sales conversations by myself to test it, to mm. create a hypothesis and then to align myself with, yeah, this works or no, it doesn't. Thank you for that. So um, have you been teaching other people how to use the same system? Yeah. So after I did it with myself, then I moved it to my sales team and I led my sales team to be able to install it. And then once they were quite successful with it, then we started branching out and teaching it to other coaches. So the intent of the system was to have a system that worked inside my own business, but ultimately it grew so big and people wanted to be part of it. And they were asking us about it, that it became its own entity. And that's how Compassion Conversations was born. And what do you mean? Thank you for that. What do you mean by Compassion conversations and you know, I hear you say that you know you are in the health and wellness business you care about people and it's not just about the physical it's about the the, the emotional the mental the whole works right so it'll be uh, it, it wouldn't be right of you to manipulate and push people because it doesn't help them psychologically and emotionally which I get which is great 
So you came up with this way of selling, but what does that mean, compassion, uh, compassion conversations? Yeah, good question. So it comes down to three pillars or three tenets. The first tenet is in compassion conversations is we need to detach from the need to sell. And when you think about this, the best analogy to use is like dating. If you're, if you meet someone new and you're like texting them all the time and trying to get a hold of them and you won't leave them alone, you're needy and they're going to run away. Mm. Same thing in sales. When I get on the call and I'm like, what can I do to get you to buy today? Uh, you ready to buy now? Let's do this. What can I do? To, what can we do to make a deal? Let's, let's make a deal. You're going to run away because now you have high sales resistance and you don't want anything to do with me because you can smell my commission breath. So when we detach from the need to sell, what we do is we remove that attachment and ultimately that need and the idea that we want it. Because when we as a salesman show up and we start questioning someone and say like, hey, why do you even want to buy this? Why right now? Why would this even make sense for you? Why not wait? Why, why not just not do this today? It puts someone in a position so where they're like, wait, this, this dummy won't even try to sell me. I want this now. And they want it more. Oh, really? So it, it, it removes the idea that you want it and you're just there to sell them and pushes them into the idea that maybe this guy's here to help. Maybe he's not really a salesman. Maybe he doesn't care about sales. Mm. And so that's kind of what the first of three tenets looks like. Oh, wow. Excellent. And have you, um, have you had any stories of clients who've had bad experiences in, in maybe in a wellness um, environment where people have been very pushy on them and they suddenly found you and your colleagues and they've just felt, oh, wow, this is easy and they feel more comfortable. Do you have any stories around that? Yeah, we've had uh, thousands of clients who've come to us, a couple in particular. I had one lady get on the phone and she said, hey, I've, been, I've talked to 27 different healthcare providers. She's like, the last person I talked to just made me cry and then started using that against me to try to oh, get me wow. to make a decision. She said it was the most emotionally manipulative conversation she's ever had. And then she chatted with us and we worked into our second pillar, which is achieve level five listening with her. And she ultimately said that the conversation made her feel safe. It removed the fear she had that we were just going to manipulate her, remove that uncertainty as to whether or not we could help her and ultimately made her feel like we had her best interest in mind because we weren't pushing her. We didn't manipulate her emotionally. We didn't take what she said and turn it against her. You know, thank you for that, um, Chandler. You mentioned level five listening. Tell us what is level five listening and why, why does that level of listening differ to any other type of listening in a business transaction? Yeah, that's a good question. So our, our second pillar is level five, achieving level five listening. And when we think about this, level one is ignoring. So you're talking and I'm just not paying attention to you. I'm like mowing my lawn. You're mm -hmm. saying words, but nothing comes out of me. I'm not listening to you at all. Level two is ignoring. And the best way to showcase ignoring is you're talking, but I'm on like Instagram doing this, right, not paying attention right. to anything you're saying. Just, uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. You ask a question. I'm like, wait, what? And then level three is, is kind of where most people live. So level three is say we're having this conversation and all you're thinking about right now is what you're going to say next. That's level three listening. You're not quite really listening. You're right. mostly in the mindset of trying to formulate your next response. Mm. And then level four is basically where I'm listening. I'm attentive. I'm paying attention, but I'm still kind of inside my own ego. I can't really understand why you would think the way you do. I can't emphasize with you. I can't, I just don't feel for you. Then when we move into level five listening, 
what that is, is it's where I step outside of my own ego. I recognize that my model of the world is different from yours. You grew up in a certain and specific way. And that's why you think and believe things you do. And I take that and I work to create a deeper understanding of your model of the world. I remove my right or wrong, my yes or no, and step into yours. And it allows me to create this deep level of understanding and this deep level of listening to where someone ultimately feels heard. They feel like you care. They feel like you're a leader worth following. You remove, they start to know they like and they trust you. You remove the fear, uncertainty, and doubt from the equation. And all of a sudden they look at you and they say, wow, I thought you were just here to sell me, but I, I really feel comfortable with you. And they start telling you things that they've never told anybody else, things that they would only tell like a therapist. Wow. Wow. So it's, a, it, it, it's a, I can see why you call it therapeutic. What was the term you called it? Therapeutic selling. Yeah, psychotherapeutic selling. Psychotherapeutic selling. Now, if, so as you were talking just now, and I'm thinking, you're talking to this client, level five listening. You're you're really present and aware of what they're saying to you, and they know you're. They can tell you're listening fully, and it's almost like a a therapy session. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's a good way to put it. Because when you think about a therapy session, you walk in, your therapist doesn't say, "Hey, you're going to get fixed today. Hey, yeah. here's your problem. Hey, you're going to walk out this door happy." It's yeah. Hey, I, I don't feel good about myself. Well, why don't you feel good about yourself? Well, because of this. Okay. Well, why does, what, what's going on there? Why does that happen? Okay. And we just keep digging and digging and digging and digging and diving. So you come to your own truth. The goal isn't for me to tell anyone anything. If I tell them something, they're going to doubt it or they can doubt it. But if I ask them specific questions to get strategic answers, to uncover what's really happening and you say it now it's true. And now you believe it because you just said something that you haven't told anybody before. Wow. Yeah. I, 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 it's a different approach to selling. It's a different way of looking at it, which if it gets, if it gets better outcomes for the client, for, for the, for the patient, then great. Right now, one of the things you are very good at it is selling high ticket items, um, using the same process and system. We have lots of coaches and consultants and experts who listen and therapists who listen into this show. Now, how do you sell high ticket high, um, coaching services using this system? What, what makes it different from any, any other way of selling? Yeah, the biggest difference between what we do and what a lot of other people do, the old way is you get on a million calls, you hope and pray that you're going to close someone, you're trying to read and memorize this script that you don't feel comfortable with, you already forgot the 17 things you need to quantify and like get past objections, and you get anxiety, you feel like your pulse start pounding before you even get on calls, and it's kind of, it just sucks. And the new way, what, and the way we do it is you get on the call, you're already aligned with the fact that you know you're going to enroll one out of every three. You know, you're minimum going to have a 30% enrollment rate in the high ticket zone. So that detaches your need to want to need to sell somebody because you already know you have consistency established. You're achieving level five listening. So you're going to connect with someone at such a deep level that them making the emotional commitment to work with you is a lot easier. They want to work with you. They feel the need to work with you, not just your product or service, but you specifically and your business. And then the last thing that really makes us difference is our third tenant, which is becoming a challenging leader. And the idea there is we don't need to wait till the end of the call to battle with people with, through objections. We don't need to wait till the end to go through price and all that. We move it everything to the beginning. Anything that's a hard conversation, we talk about in the beginning. We wow. talk about finances. And one of the things people don't want to do is talk about finances. And if you're a provider and you can't talk about finances, that's typically your own 
issue that we have to deal with internally, your own issue with your own finances that you kind of have to work through because mm -hmm. you're thinking with your own wallet, oh, I can't talk about money. People don't want to talk about money. But in reality, they will if you approach them in the right way. We right. talk about alignment between spouse or business partner. This isn't the idea that they all need to be there to make a decision. It's that the idea that if your spouse is oblivious and doesn't know what's happening, they're not going to be able to help you succeed and they're not going to know what's going on. Weight loss, for example, if your spouse has no clue you're on a diet and they bring home Taco Bell, what are you going to do? You're going to eat Taco Bell or mm -hmm. they bring home pizza. What are you going to do? You're going to eat pizza because they've inadvertently sabotaged you, not because they don't love you or they don't support you. They just have no idea. So we start talking about the hard things early. Uh, someone says, hey, I'm in. That's not good enough. Why are you in? Why would you even want to do this right now? Why does this even make sense for you? Are you sure you don't want to wait? Anything that could be challenged, we want to challenge early, empathetically, appropriately, and compassionately. So someone by the end of the call doesn't have that fear, uncertainty, or doubt established anymore. Yeah, I get that. That's, um, yeah, and I love, I love what you said about, you know, there are always objections and bring them up early in the conversation. So if it's a money objection, bring it up early. If it's an interest objection, bring it up early. Now, what... One of the things you write about or you talk about is um, you talk about objections and the old school way of handling objections is all outdated. Now, what's the old school way of dealing with objections and what is the your way, the new way, the psychotherapeutic way of doing it? Yeah, good question. So the old way is you wait till the end of the call. You're like, you go through the whole thing, you wait till the end, you drop price and someone's like, I can't afford it. And they're like, well... Here's like an old technique, feel, felt, found. Well, I understand how you feel that way, but what our clients have found is this. So you just start battling. You don't care about what they're saying. You're just battling objections or I need to talk to my business partner or spouse. Oh, uh, do you need their permission to make a decision? Which is one of my least favorite things that, that someone could possibly yeah. say. <laughs> Are you telling me that I shouldn't talk to my significant other or business partner before I spend money or make a financial decision? Like, who are you to tell me that? And right. what kind of world do you live in? So then what we do is we move all of this to the beginning. We make sure that we understand every aspect of this person's life from finances to spouse to uncertainty early. So that way we can make a decision as to whether or not it does make sense to, to work together. For example, in finances, instead of at the end waiting for them to say, I can't afford it, in the beginning, we're going to uncover how much they make. We're going to uncover what their credit situation looks like. We're going to uncover what it looks like after taxes, after everyone gets paid. And then at that moment, I can make a decision as to whether or not they can ethically afford this. And if I can ethically enroll them into something, right. if they can't, it's going to induce stress. If it induces stress, they're going to fail. So I need to make that decision early. If they have a spouse, like I said a second ago, it's not about, hey, your spouse needs to show up to make a decision. It's we need to be in alignment. If your spouse is oblivious, I can't ethically enroll you in this thing because you're going to fail. And I'm not willing to bet on your failure. If you want to think about it, that's okay. But early on, I'm going to ask you questions relating to that. Oh, I'm all in. Okay. Are you sure? Why would you be in right now? Or why is this even a good time for you? Or, oh, can I buy this thing? Well, I mean, you could, but are you sure you even want it? So I need to move myself to that position right there to where it feels like I'm pushing them away and I don't want them to make the purchase because I don't, I want to push them as hard as I can away from making a, a purchasing decision. So that way, when they do decide it's solidified and it's real. And then when it comes down the road and they do enroll, we don't get refund requests. We don't get people who have buyer's remorse because they made that own decision themselves. I didn't push them to do anything. Right, right, right. And it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a great way, great approach. 
Now, let me ask you this, Chandler. Uh, I love what you're saying, makes a lot of sense. Can the same principle, the same way of uh, selling, this sales approach, be used in any industry, any market sector, or is it purely works well in health and wellness? Yeah, that's a good question. So originally I wanted this thing to be for health and wellness because that's kind of where I came from. Mm -hmm. But then I moved into the consulting world and I worked in the consulting world. Then I got a few contracts with real estate agents and it worked really well in real estate because real estate is about telling a story. The people don't want right. to buy a house. They want to buy the neighborhood. They that's want to buy the school. They want to buy the neighbors, the hardware store down the street. Ned and Nancy or whoever across the street who are cool neighbors. So this whole thing worked in, in real estate. Then it moved. Then I started getting a few contracts with SaaS and we started using this in software as a service products. And, and now it's working in, in like the crypto and finance industry. So what I found is my intention originally was to be very specific to health and wellness, but now it's branched out because we keep getting people asking us about it and new contracts and new industries. And we're able to test and, and see if things work. And, and these contracts are sometimes they're thousands of people. So we get really good tests and we can create really good hypotheses around will this work in this industry? Mm. And the ultimate thing behind it is you're flipping everything upside down. People are expecting to be sold when you don't sell them and you come at it this way, they don't know what to do. And ultimately at the end, they want to buy from you because now they believe in you. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's, it's good. What about, I want to throw this in there, play devil's advocate a little bit. Um, the person who is, has to sell uh, to eat this month. If they don't sell, they can't pay the rent, they can't buy food. And so they fall into this trap um, thinking, oh, I've, I've got, I want to speak to this client. I, I hope they buy, I hope they buy, I really hope they, they must buy, they have to buy. And so their energy is one way. So they go into this sale. Now, this using this old fashioned way of doing things, what is the problem with that in terms of being needy? I mean, what, what is the big problem in terms of your system? Yeah, so the big problem in terms of being needy or when you come on like, hey, I hope to make the sale. Hey, I want the sale is the client can tell or the prospect can tell. And when you get on that call, typically a prospect has like level 25 sales resistance. They already have a wall up. They already know the objections they're going to use. They already know how they're going to get off the call with you. And so if you come on and you come at them hard, like I need this, I want this, what can we do to make a deal? That person's going to push away. That wall is going to stay up and you're not going to build a relationship with them. And then as a result, if you need to eat this month and make deals, you're not going to make as many deals. And the other problem that I find is people aren't going to come back. When we work in our system, what happens is we might get not make the sale today, but someone calls us a week later and comes back. Another person the next week comes back and we create this system to where people continuously come back. And it's a snowball impact because we get more and more and more people who come back through our outreach efforts or our ability to follow up with people. And yeah. we have a massive system. So now what happens is we make more money. We have a higher enrollment rate and we don't have to do any additional marketing because we have people coming back again and again. We have a real sales system that pays for itself over and over again. And I love that, you know, as well as that, then by what you're saying is these people who end up buying from you because it's their choice, they don't feel manipulated, they don't feel pushed. They also, I suppose, will refer you to other people and recommend you to other people very, very easily. And this forms part of your sales machine and marketing machine, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. And one of our goals in our sales system is for every one client who comes in, we want three referrals.
So one turns into three, three turns into, I don't have enough fingers to count anymore. And it creates hockey stick like growth because you're now in a position to where your referrals are usually more than you can even produce in your front end marketing. So your front end marketing costs go down. The ability to generate income goes up, your gross revenue goes up. And now you have a, a true sales system, which I think a lot of people don't put a lot of effort and time into. Everyone thinks front end marketing, let's put millions of dollars into Facebook ads. Let's run Hulu ads. Let's run TikTok ads. Let's run ads everywhere and all this stuff. But they don't think about how they could optimize a sales system to spend less and make more. Right, right, right. I love that. The um, For those people who want to learn more from you uh, and learn more about this or connect with you, Chandler, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, good question. So in our three-step system, we have a nine-step framework we teach. All nine steps get you to the place to where you can master the psychotherapeutic system of compassion conversations. What I like to do is just give away the entire nine-step system. So if you want that, just go to nine-step.cultureofcare.life. That's the number nine-step.cultureofcare.life, not .com.life. So if you want to grab that, just go to that website and, and grab that. If you want to connect with me personally, just go to instagram.com forward slash Chandler underscore SAF. And you can see me surfing, hanging out with my little girl, some sales stuff, and just like the whole idea about me. Wow. Wow. You know... You tell us a little about your home then, your family. It sounds like, uh, how old is your little girl now? She's three. Where She's going to be four July 18th. My goodness. And uh, she must be your, be your little treasure. And uh, I read somewhere that you uh, also, you get involved in martial arts or jujitsu, I think it was. Yeah, I've been in jujitsu since like 2009 on and off. So uh, I have my purple belt. I'm getting my brown belt in the end of this end of July, which it's brown and black. So somehow I've able to hobble myself through the whole system. Good for you. Good for you. I've been practicing martial arts myself for nearly 40 years. I'm a sixth Dan uh, in Taekwondo. But, uh, so I know what kind of commitment and dedication it takes, whatever belt level you are and, and, and to show up and train, show up and train, show up and train. How do you think that, um, that kind of discipline uh, relates to uh, business as well? Oh man, when I think about martial arts and jujitsu specifically, it's like every day I show up and if my ego starts to go up, I get gut checked and I get wrecked. Oh, yeah. It's the same thing in, in business. If I start getting cocky and like I own the world, I get wrecked. And so uh -huh. jujitsu is kind of this ultimate, ultimate self-humbling platform to where I know I'm going to show up and I always have to stay humble. And I always, the other thing that's taught me that's really neat though, is like the push pull aspect of it. If someone comes at me and they're really aggressive, I can pull back and be a little more defensive. If I, if someone's really defensive, I can be a little more aggressive. And so it teaches me in business. Sometimes the idea is not to do what everyone else is doing. If the market's aggressive, pull back, be defensive. If the market's defensive, go at it, be aggressive. And so it's really taught me in business, what most people are doing. You can sometimes do the opposite and do really well. Like right now, everyone's panicking because of the recession and, and mm -hmm. we're going all in and hitting it hard because we were smart and defensive in the bull market. Right, right. I hear you. Fantastic. Uh, I'm going to come back to you in a moment. For those of you listening, you are listening to Chandler Walker. Now, this gentleman has been talking about compassion selling, compassion conversations, a psychotherapeutic way of selling, which is not like your traditional model. So look, if you like what he's been saying, drop something into the chat box right now or, or put something in the comment box just to say what is it you've learned so far leave a comment also like sh share this as well this is great great content here also 
if you're not already following or subscribed, which, whichever channel you're on, make sure you are following, you're subscribed so you can get more awesome, awesome information like this from experts like Chandler Walker. Now, one more last question for Chandler um, is this. Some people, they, in the old way of selling, I'll keep going back to that, um, is they look for the pain. They've been told, look for the pain. What's the, what's the big pain? What's the big headache for them? What's the big challenge? Um, and and they, they utilize that in the sales conversation. One of the, one of the things you say is that that's looking for the pain or getting the pain is, oh, it's, it's, it's an incomplete strategy. It's not the whole thing. What do you mean by that? Yeah, good question. So what a lot of people do is they look for the pain and they're like, okay, I got the pain. Let's move on. Let's sell this person. And the person doesn't want to buy and they don't understand, but it's because we didn't go deep enough. And for example, what we need to do is we need to understand what the pain is. So someone says, I want to lose weight. Okay. Well, why do you want to lose weight? And it moves all the way down to like the fact that they had to eat their whole plate as a kid. And now that's moved into a pattern of overeating, which now removes the idea that diets were the problem and steps into the idea that you have this pattern you established very young and you're never going to get past it. Like this is going to wreck your life and it's going to continue wrecking your life. So now what did I do? I found the pain. I connected the dots to the past. I took the past to help create a probable and improbable future to help them understand the full timeline and scenario of what's happening. So I took the real, the problem and moved it into what the real problem is. Same thing in like business. Someone says, I want to generate leads. Okay. Why do you want to generate leads? Um, I want my business to grow. They don't care about their business. They want to be able to pay their mortgage and they don't want their kids to be homeless. So now what happens? Okay. Well, as a kid, we were really poor and, and I'm really worried about blah, blah, blah. Okay. Now I've established a timeline and a connection. Okay. So it's not the fact that you need to generate leads. It's the fact that you're worried that you're going to be sort of broken homeless. And because of that, what's happening is you've been hiring person after person after person and getting wrecked and ultimately dug yourself into this mound of debt. So now I really understand the situation that's happening. And ultimately, I not only found the pain, like I said a minute ago, but I connected the dots to the past to help them understand the different scenarios available to them and why they're happening and preventing or and presenting themselves from a new viewpoint. And, and that new viewpoint kind of blows their mind because typically they didn't even understand or recognize the connection to the past and what's really happening. Hmm. Wow. 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 Okay. Okay. Very, very good. Very, very good. I mean, it's uh, a lot of information for those of you listening and watching in. It is a shift in mindset compared to a lot of trainings around sales that you would have come across. So if you need to watch this again, watch it again. I highly, highly recommend you do contact Chandler or just uh, follow him, whatever he's doing. Actually, can you give us the um, website you gave earlier on? Was that nine step dot culture of care dot life? Yep, that's correct. Nine step dot culture of care dot life with the number nine. Excellent. We will share this on here as well. Any final words um, to our audience before we finish on today? Anything you want to add or say that I haven't maybe I haven't asked a question on? Yeah, I think biggest thing for me, for people listening is you don't have to have this facade of sales. You don't have to show up with this magical script. You don't have to have these magical objection handling techniques. It doesn't have to feel slimy or gross. You can step into the idea that you can show up as yourself, be who you are, ask good questions, find strategic answers, and ultimately be a challenging leader that someone wants to follow. So take the pressure off yourself. Be yourself more because people are going to connect with that. People are going to be happy and excited to be with you, not who you're pretending to be. Right. You heard it from the man himself. Chandler Walker said, look, be yourself. 
be authentic, be your true. You do not have to pretend to be someone else or follow something that doesn't feel right to you. If it doesn't feel right to you, you are going to create resistance in yourself and you will not achieve the result you want. But let it be you. And this way of doing it is non-salesy and it feels right. So on that note, I want to say, Chandla, thank you, thank you, thank you for jumping on here at the Business Success Show and giving us so much of your wisdom and sharing your knowledge here. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for having me. Hopefully we gave everybody the idea that you can sell, feel good about it, and it can be a real psychotherapeutic model to help you take over the world in a meaningful and positive way. Excellent. So I want to say, you know, uh, everyone, thank you for watching and um, do share this. Do tell other people about this. Tell them to check out Chandler and uh, also um, make some comments. Give us some thumbs up. Smash that thumb, uh, that like button as well until we bring you some more awesome um, guests like Chandler. Thank you. Take care. Much love. God bless. Bye for now.